Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. And it says in Psalms 23, verses 4, this is in the New King James Version, and it says, Yea! Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Everybody say valley. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The Message Bible says, even when the way goes through death valley, I am not afraid When you walk at my side, your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. Amen. You know, I used to listen to a whole lot of teachings about how if I prayed just hard enough, I would would ultimately avoid hard times in my life. And I would never... Struggle. How many have heard of the Word of Faith movement? I don't, certainly don't knock it. I believe there's lots of truth in every single movement. I like to call them streams now. There's many different types of streams, but for some reason, sometimes the harder I prayed, it seemed like the worse things got. And if my wife and I prayed together, that old saying, if a husband and wife pray together, they stay together, I was told that we wouldn't, that we would always be on the same page. And if I would practice X, Y, and Z, uh, somehow I would be able to navigate around valley seasons of my life. But if you're, you're a Christian and you've been saved for more than six months, you figure out that your life will consist of both peaks and valleys, both good times and hard times, very sweet seasons, but you will inevitably run into seasons where you will ex- experience bitter times and bitter seasons. To think that just because Jesus is the Lord of your life, it's erroneous to think that you will not go through some type of difficulty, hardship, or pain, or trial. Look at somebody and say, it's just a matter of time. Come on, look at somebody else with conviction in your eyes and say, it's just a matter of time. I used to think if I went to service, and I went to service sometimes four times a week. I know that's hard to believe, but I basically lived at church. And after years and years of doing that, I prayed, fasted, spoke in tongues, was filled with the Holy Spirit. Nonetheless, my life still had challenges in it. And we all go through different challenges, and all of our challenges look very, very differently. Some of us, some of us this morning are going through physical challenges in our body. There's some of us are who are experiencing relational challenge. Some of you in here by external measures, you're not going through anything, but you're going through some mental challenges, doubts and fears and fear of the future, fear of what's going to happen in the nation, fear of losing your job. There is a huge danger in the believer who thinks that just because they call Jesus as Lord and Savior, you will not go through anything. And if we have this kind of thinking, what happens when you're in the middle of your valley, you begin to get bitter or grow resentment toward the Lord. 
As a matter of fact, Jesus promised in John chapter 16, verse 33. Listen to what he says. I think we need to teach like this a little bit more often. Can somebody say amen? It says this. These things I've spoken to you, and this is Jesus talking, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Say you will. You will inevitably have tribulation. But I love what he said right behind that. But be of good cheer. Smile at somebody right now. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The reason it's dangerous to think like this is because, as I said before, you can grow bitter. You can grow resentful towards the Lord because he's not moving although you're praying, although you're fasting, although you're going to church. Listen, even in the physical realm, as flat as Florida is, you cannot drive 20 minutes through Orlando without going through an elevated area one minute and be in a low-lying area in the next. You know how you run through puddles and things of that nature? Life is just like that. You will have mountain high top experiences one moment and the next month you may be experiencing a valley low. And there's four or three or four different types of people in this room. Number one, you're either currently going through a valley. That's what the Lord was sharing with me this morning. And I did preach this message a few years back, but I believe it is for the time that we are all going through. I sensed even strongly over the weekend, there are people in this room that are either currently in a valley, or number two, you're on your way out of the valley and about to experience your mountaintop experience, or number three, you're sitting on that mountaintop, or number four, I bet you want to guess what that is. You're either on the mountaintop and ready to go back down into another valley. There's one of those four types of people. And valleys come in different forms in people's lives, as I said before. There's some people who are dealing with financial problems, sickness in their bodies, as I said before. And I've seen seasons in my life where those valley seasons have extended beyond my comfort level. They've extended beyond what I think the Lord should even permit. Oh, you've never felt that way. You've never felt like, Lord, it's time now that I come out of this valley. We've been going through this struggle long enough. I've been going through this sickness long enough. Come on, I can't get a witness in here. I've been going through financial trouble. I've been going through health problems. I've been going through relational problems. I've been praying about this thing, and I'm not seeing breakthrough in my life. Lord, why are you not moving in my life? I have prayed. I've fasted. I've quoted scriptures. I've grabbed Pastor Donnie's prayer booklets, but I'm still not seeing you move in my life. I'm still not seeing you deliver me. I'm still not seeing this breakthrough. Lord, what am I doing wrong? Has anybody ever felt that way in this place? Am I preaching to the right people? But, but that is life. Life is, it consists of many different peaks and valleys. And you know what I've oftentimes wondered? I've oftentimes wondered if my attitude directly affects the length of time I've been in my valley of shadow of death. Just look straight this morning. Because to be honest with you, not all of us have the greatest attitudes when we're going through. Did you know that the Lord calls us to exude and exemplify Christ-like attitude no matter what we go through in life? And it's difficult. Somebody look at somebody and say, you know it's hard. It's hard to smile when you're in pain. It's hard to preach when you're going through difficulty. It's hard to show up to church when you're going through something, a trial, a tribulation, a hardship, a pain. I think about the story of Moses. Not the time when he was in Pharaoh's house serving as the prince of Egypt, but the time that he killed a man who was 
hurting one of the Egyptian slaves, which was one of his countrymen or his family members. And into the wilderness, Moses goes, not for one year, not for two, but for 40. And I've often questioned God, why in the world would you allow your servant to be on the backside of a desert as a shepherd for 40 years? And it dawned on me, Moses was a very prideful man. He was given everything in the house of Pharaoh. He learned the Egyptian language. He could fight like an Egyptian. He had all the accoutrements that screamed princely, priestly power. And yet God sees it fit to send him into a wilderness for 40 years. Why? To develop his character. God will oftentimes use valley experiences in our lives to break us of things that do not belong in our lives. He will use trials. He will use hardship. I know that we've been preached to oftentimes that he's only the God of the mountaintop, but can I tell you, if there are things in your lives that make you not look like him, God will send you through what I call the spiritual car wash and what Moses went through to break off what doesn't belong. Why? You know what the Apostle Paul talks about over and over again? He talks about becoming conformed into the image of Jesus. In other words, God will oftentimes allow us in difficult situations to build Christ-like character in us. That's hard preaching to get people to shout in. Because when, when God looks at you, he wants to see the reflection of his son in every single area in our lives. And, and particularly when we go through hardships, trials, and pain. So that's why today I want to entitle a message called Finding Joy in the Valley. Smile at somebody with all those beautiful teeth that you have. Just smile at them. Say, find joy in your valley. Come on, do it. Say, find joy in your valley today. And I want to ask you something this morning. When you evaluate your life, I want you to think, and I'm preaching to you. Say, he's talking to you. I try to get people to interact because I see some of you guys trying to fall asleep on me. Honey, get him some coffee. When you evaluate your life, is it filled with joy? Is there a deep abiding sense of joy and contentment in your life? Or is joy a fair-weathered friend? I know when we come to church on Sunday morning, it's very easy, particularly easy for me, to come in once you see everybody. You know we all have that smile. It's called a spiritual smile. You don't want nobody to know what you're going through. You don't want people to know that you sat out in the parking lot for an extra minute or two and wiped the mascara and put your you know, fingers underneath your eyes and put your, what do they call it, honey, foundation on your face. <laughs> you, you don't want people to know that you just struggled getting to church this morning and had to literally drag yourself out of bed, that you prayed yourself to sleep last night because of the trials that you're going. Can I just tell you this? There is, it is possible to go through trials and have joy while you're going through the trial. If you, if you intentionally, like Peter did, put your eyes on the winds and waves in your trial, can I, can I guarantee you this one thing? And I don't prophesy it, but I guarantee it, that you will experience more of the storm than Jesus. If you, that's what, that's what Peter did. When he looked at the winds and the waves, when he was called out on the water, the more he paid attention to the storm, the more depressed he got, the further down he went. 
You can be on life's trouble right now. You can be standing with waves crashing all around you. You can have boisterous winds. You can have trouble. You can have a marriage issue. You can have a sickness in your body. You can have a financial problem. But when you look at Jesus, that's where you're going to experience true, lasting joy. Somebody say, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And most people mix up these words. Joy and happiness. And we all hear, have heard or hear this word preached that happiness is not joy and happiness is temporal and joy is permanent. And can I tell you that it's true? But what else joy is? It's a choice. That's a choice. Everybody say it's a choice. Joy is a choice and joy is constant if you can tap into it in your situation that you're facing right now. Joy says, come hell or high water, no matter what, I'm not letting this rob me of growth, of experiencing Jesus in this situation. Do you know, do you know the enemy will intentionally allow certain things to happen in your life because he doesn't, want you to be, you, he doesn't want you to be full of joy while you're serving Jesus? He doesn't want you to experience joy. He doesn't care if he can keep you home from church. What he, what he does care about is the person who experiences true, genuine joy in their service towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Most Christians that I know, if I can be completely honest with you, they love Jesus, they'd give their right arm for Jesus, but they're not filled with true joy. Most people go through the motions. They go through the battles. They call their prayer partners. They read their scripture. They intercede. They go through all of the religious motions. But if we're being honest, let me ask you this. I want you to ask yourself this. Don't say it out loud. But do you have true joy in your relationship with Jesus? Do you have true sustaining joy? Does it make you joyful when you get to meet with him in the morning? Do you feel this, this overwhelming love and affection towards the Lord? Or is your valley squelching out the praise that you should have for God in this season? You know what I love? I love what James says. He says it right here. It's so beautiful. It paints a beautiful picture on how we're supposed to respond. And you all may know this scripture. It says this, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. My brethren, count it all joy. Everybody say all I'd like you to say all again. Everybody say all. Count it all joy when you fall into what? Various trials, sickness, disease, uh, hardship, trial, pain, financial issues, marital problems. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces something. It produces patience. But listen, he leaves you there so that it can have its perfect work. He goes on to say, but let it have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Listen what the Message Bible says in James chapter 1, 2 through 4. Consider it a sheer gift. Oftentimes doesn't feel like a gift. Consider it a sheer gift. I don't know about you, but I've got some gifts from the Lord that I, can, that I would say, Lord, you can have this one right back. Has anybody ever felt that way before? Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come up at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith, your life is forced into open, and it shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so that you can become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. 
Point number one is that valleys are profitable. This is how we can make it through our valley times. No matter what it is that you're going through, whatever area of life that you're going through, that area that is stretching you to trust God, that area that is gnawing at your life, I want you to know this, that it is profitable. You know what, I, you know what I've asked the Lord? Never allow me to go through a season of my life where I don't maximize growth. Your season that you're going through right now, did you know the nation is going through a season where it has an opportunity to produce something, to produce, to grow, to learn, to mature from the mistakes of the past? It's called growth. And this is all throughout the scripture. The Bible talks about God coming every so often and pruning certain areas of our lives until we look like Christ, until we behave like him. And God will use valleys to add to you, not take away. Somebody say it's profitable. Yes, he adds to you in the valley. He adds to your faith. He adds to your patience. He adds strength. He adds grace. He adds to you as you're going through it. You know, when I, well, I was going to say oftentimes, when I, once in a while, when I go to the gym, as fast as I go in there, I want to get out of there. And when I really want to get out of there is when I start feeling pain. And that's like us in our lives. And we can't see immediate results when you're feeling the pain. But did you know what? What I have found out as I've studied, studied muscle tissue and how it reacts under pressure, growth is only, it only becomes inevitable when the muscles are pushed beyond their limits and they experience pain. The Christian or the believer will not experience growth. They will not experience greater levels of faith. They won't experience greater levels of God until they're put in positions where they experience pain, hardship, and trial. Your, pro, your, excuse me, your valley is profitable to you. Whatever it is that you're experiencing today, God is trying to not break you. He's trying to build your faith. He's trying to add to you. He's trying to add strength to your life so that when you go through the next valley experience, you don't act the same way but you express Christ-like character. That's why the Bible says we go from glory to glory. It doesn't tell you that we go from valley to valley. You should have put that one in there. We go from valleys to peaks to, you know, everything in between. God uses our hardship to grow us. Look at somebody and say that with conviction in your eyes. He's growing you. He's maturing you. He's raising you up. You know, when I think about Guys throughout the Bible, men and women throughout the Bible that God has raised up, they are people that withstood hardship, trials, and pain. They went through things. They, Lord had to put them in positions whereby they grew. Their faith was challenged. Think about Daniel in the lion's den. Think about David. You know, David killed a lion and a bear before he ever made it to Goliath. He had to be faithful in the valley, think about where he was when he was being trained. He was just a shepherd boy with his harp. And he was protecting his father's sheep. And then the lion came and the bear came. All the while, the Lord was pre pre preparing him to fight Goliath, his biggest giant, his biggest challenge that he would ever face. Can I tell you, and I can make this, I just got this from the Lord. It's not that God puts sickness in our lives because he doesn't. We live in a fallen world. But can I tell you, everything that you've been through has prepared you for this moment. 
Every trial that you're facing right now, it could be sickness, disease, finances, it doesn't matter. Every valley that you've experienced, you're, st- you're supposed to learn in that previous valley so that when you're in this valley, you don't act the same way, but you grow, right? So that you can, you can be afforded the opportunity to fight whatever it is, whatever giant that the Lord is calling you to defeat because God has another level for you. Say, he has another level for me. Yes, we go from glory to glory. And valleys, can, they have the potential to bring out that champion in you. And that's exactly what happened with David. Whatever it is you're facing this morning, the Lord is trying to make a champion out of you. Can I say this with all due respect to the body of Christ? I've been preaching since I was a little kid. I was like 17 or 18. I, I say that as a kid. It took me 15 years before I, I would get b- behind my own podium. And I see people, and this applies, I'm sure, to your situation. But I see people that come to know the Lord very, very quickly, and they're charismatic, and they have uh, the stuff, you know, the stuff. They can speak in front of people. They know how to dress. They know how to capture an audience. But they haven't been tested. And we see all these pastors and ministers falling. I don't condemn them. But it does say something about allowing. See, the Bible talks about let a man not be a novice, right? At least he become puffed up and fall into the pride, into the snare of the devil because he hasn't been tested. He hasn't been through enough valleys. He or she hasn't been through enough trial and tribulation to develop Christ-like character. So, so I heard T.D. I heard Jake say it like this. Don't allow your giftings to bring you where your character can't keep you. And that's what valleys do. They develop Christ-like character in you. We don't, we don't want to be those type of people who are carried about with every wind and doctrine and, and, go, and go off of our relationship based on hype and shouting and we turn around enough, God's going to bless us. We, God desires for us to have this sustaining, this backbone that is unbreakable, that's unmovable, so that in any given situation, we exude the character of Christ. Come on, I wish somebody would get excited about that. If you would, you'd find joy in your valley. You would see that God is using this very thing to grow you up, to mature you, to challenge you because he's raising you up. Listen, kids who are not going anywhere, their parents don't challenge them. God is not an enabling parent. I know plenty of them. Hallelujah. He's not an enabler. Enabling parents will not allow their kids to be challenged. But God loves you so much because he wants you to get what he has for you. He will oftentimes put you in very challenging times of your life so that you grow, so that when you get there, you can stay there. I wish somebody would say amen this morning. So that you have the character that can sustain the blessings that he has for you. You know how many people I know who want to drive super nice cars, but then, but they don't have the $600 a month payment. Can't afford to get the oil changed. There's many people that are watching online. There's many people in here that want the blessing, but don't want to pay the price of what it costs. And valleys will build you up to ready you to sustain what God has for you in your life. It's a training ground. That's what valleys are. They're training ground for the next level in God. Do you remember when Jesus was was baptized? What happened? He was baptized. He comes out, out of the water. And the Holy Spirit descends on him. Like a dove, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately following 
the verses, the very next verse, you know what it says? He was led into the wilderness. He was led into the wilderness. He was led into a valley. And it says this, and I quote, to be tested. The other day, some of you weren't here. Angels showed up. It was pretty. They're like, oh, somebody's like, oh, it's that church. That's never happened. I've never physically seen an angel. Three people on the worship team heard them. Samara, she's not here today. She said she's seen them. And I only knew it based on the weight of the glory of the Lord that was in the room. And this is where we have to be careful. If we have high moments in the Lord where we get, have moments where the Lord fills us, be prepared because he doesn't just fill to thrill. I just heard that word. He doesn't fill to thrill you. He fills you to prepare you. Most people just want to get filled and they want to feel the Lord. They want to see angels. They want to see the supernatural. But the Lord fills to equip. The Lord fills. He trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle, the Bible says. So any of those mountaintop experiences that we have, use those moments to get filled up because believe it or not, we are gonna head back down into a valley where the Lord's gonna have some challenges for us that he wants us to have the victory over. Come on, somebody say amen to that. So he was led into the wilderness after he was baptized, after he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And listen what Paul says in this. I love what he says. And I don't just love what he says. I love what he wrote based on where he was at. He says this in Philippians 4, chapter, or excuse me, chapter 4, verse 4. Watch this. It says, rejoice in the Lord. Come on, help me, church. Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. This scripture was written by the apostle Paul in what's called the epistles while he was in prison, while he was in a valley. And, and you have, how can, I be re, how can I rejoice when I'm in a valley? How can I rejoice when I don't see the blessings of God coming to fruition in my life? How can I rejoice when I'm experiencing pain in my body? Listen to how it says it in the Message Bible. I want to report to you, friends, that my imprisonment here has had the opposite of its intended effect. Hallelujah. Instead of being squelched, the message has actually prospered. All the soldiers are here, and everyone else, too, found out that I'm in jail because of this Messiah. That piqued their curiosity. Now they've learned all about him. Not only that, but most of all, the followers of Jesus here have become far more sure of themselves in the faith than ever, speaking out fearlessly about God or the Messiah. Do you know that there are people who are watching you go through your valley? There are people who are literally watching your lifestyle. They may not say it, you might, may not think it, but you are an example of Jesus as you go through the valley. If we don't preach, how will they hear? If we're not an example, how will they see? You are literally in bodily, God, the, by the Holy Spirit, right? It's not by our own grace or strength that we do this, but by the Spirit of God. When we endure, when we have joy, we are being an example on how to walk out our lives when we're going through trial and hardship and pain. Amen. Number two, valleys 
provide choice. Valleys provide choice. I know that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but you'll get it here in just a second. You don't get to choose your valley, but you get to choose how you respond in it. Having a poor attitude oftentimes will not change the situation. I had to repent this morning. I was complaining about something. And the Lord said, instead of complaining about it, speak to it. I heard of a pastor from the Brownsville Revival. He, he, he spent $70,000, Gene, on a orchestra pit before the revival broke out in Brownsville. 70000 plus. And he didn't get all of the musicians that he wanted. There was like one trombone player, one trumpet player, something like that. And it was fit for 100 instrumentalists. And each time he would walk by that thing, he said, you money pit you useless money pit, and it would stay empty. And he said that he felt the Lord correct him and say to him, you're speaking word curses over your situation. You're speaking negative over your situation, and this is why it's staying empty. And then all of a sudden, he repented, and he went to his kids, and he repented for certain things that he had said, not anything major, just like correcting them when he could have been building them up. And he said, as he began to change his words, he said within a week's time, he said the orchestra, orchestra pit was fully full. It was full. It was full capacity. Nobody else could fit in there because he began to speak life over his situation. I, I, wonder, I wonder what type of choice you're going to make from this day going forward. What kind of choice are you going to make in your valley? Are you going to say, God, get me out of this? Or are you going to say, God, grow me in this? Are you going to say, God, why does it look like this? Instead of speaking to what you know God wants it to look like. Because there is power in our tongues. The Bible says that there is life and death in your tongue. You can speak life or you can speak blessings. Here's the thing. God is not going to deliver you from a situation that you're not ready to be delivered from. I know we don't want to say nothing. Now, I know the enemy can orchestrate things and keep us in positions that we don't want to be in, but I'm talking about valleys that are ordained from heaven to develop you, to grow you, to mature you, to grow you up until, you're, uh, until you have the statue of Christ permeating in every fiber of your being. Somebody say, find joy. You know what I believe? I believe the most meaningful worship to God are the times when it hurts to give it. You know what I do most Sundays? It's not that I completely desire to worship the way that I do. It's a choice. It's a choice. And that's the kind that moves him when it's not based on circumstances. You know what I found out? If we do it long enough, even though we don't feel it, we begin to feel it. That's the problem. That's why some people have a problem pressing in, like that song was saying, is because they don't feel it at first. And they're waiting for the feeling to come, not realizing that if you do it, feelings will follow. Some of you need to love your spouse or love your children, and the feelings will follow. Come on, do it by faith. Come on, somebody needs to, to, to begin to speak life over certain situations. And, and I guarantee you, if you speak life to that situation long enough, it's just a matter of time before the Holy Spirit begins to breathe on it through your words and your circumstance will change in due time. Somebody say in due time. Come on, is this for somebody this morning? Hallelujah. I love, I love what this scripture says. I won't be much longer. It's in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 through 32. I'm not gonna put it up on the screen. I'm not gonna ask you to go there, but in this particular moment, as I mentioned before, 
Jesus is on the water, and he is, excuse me, he's in the boat, actually. And a storm arises, and he's sleeping, and then he gets up, and he rebukes this storm. And he says these famous words, be still, and the sea calms. And we oftentimes hear that preached a lot. You know, don't let what's in you, don't let what's in the storm get in you. Let what's in you get in the storm. And that will preach. But there's something much, much more in depth that I heard recently. And you know what I heard? This is a little spooky, but I, but I, but I, I caught the revelation. I pray you do too. I heard a preacher say that that was a demonically inspired storm. And the Lord was actually rebuking a demon. Now just follow me and humor me for a moment. Because you have to understand the context of what he's saying here. Where was he going? He was going to Gennesaret, where he would run into a man that was filled with legions of demons, meaning 6,000 demons. Come on, how many remember the story? And so, so the reason that the storm arose is because it was demonic powers rising up against Jesus and his disciples because the enemy did not want Jesus to get to that island. There are some things in your life that the enemy does not want you to get to. And so he wants to create a difficult fight for you while you're in the valley because he, you have to understand that our, 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 our fight is not against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities. It's against powers of darkness. It's against rulers of wickedness in the heavenly places. Do you know the devil has a destiny as well for us? But God's destiny for us is greater and greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. I wish I had at least two people that would believe that, that what's in you, because it's the Holy Spirit in you, is greater than the demonic storm that's been sent into your life. And you have all that it takes to speak to that storm and to say, be still, because you have a destined end. You have a, a place to be, and God is on a time clock. We cannot no longer draw back. You know what the Bible says? That God has, his soul takes no pleasure in those who draw back. We have to put our hands against the plow and move forward through the opposition so that we can see the breakthrough that he's called us to see and called us to walk into. Amen. Amen. The enemy wants to keep us from making impact. You know why he wants to keep many of us in bed and keep people depressed? It's not just because he hates you. He doesn't want you to make the impact. Do you know why there's struggles in marriages that I'm seeing? It's because one can chase a thousand, but two can chase 10,000 or put 10,000 to flight. He doesn't want you to make impact. Do you understand? Do you know why it gets hard for you to serve in the body of Christ? It's because the enemy doesn't want you to make impact. He's after the impact. And so what the enemy will do while the Lord is orchestrating a valley season to grow you, the enemy wants to intensify it and throw little demonic attacks to keep you from getting to the goal, to keep you from moving forward. Somebody say, greater is he that is in me than he who is in the world. Remind yourself in those seasons that this will not last forever. This too shall pass. Come on, trouble doesn't last always. Storms do not last always. Do not give the devil pleasure of seeing this valley hurting you.
pushing you back, wanting, making you wanting to throw in the towel. Don't give him, you know, I listened to a song. I stumbled and stammered, but I listened to a song this morning. It blessed me. This morning, it's, I'm, this is not a plug. It's by Mercy Me. And it's called Say I Won't. And you have to listen to this. In this song, it says, the world's gonna hear because I'm gonna shout and I will be dancing when, circumstance, when circumstances drown the music out. Say I won't. And in this song, it's about a man who had several amputations and he's friends with the lead singer of Mercy Me. And he's, he wrote the song for this gentleman. And this man literally has to drive his, um, like a hover round with his hand. He can't move. He's amputated several limbs. And Bart, the writer of the song, must have been going through a terrible time because he stands in front of people, ministering the word through song, talking about how good God is, talking about how faithful the Lord is. I'm sure he's talked about healing. I'm sure he's talked about breakthroughs. And yet here he is writing a song for his friend whom God didn't heal. And he says, in all of this, say I won't. I wish you would say that this morning. I wish you would tell the devil. Come on, I don't talk to the devil and I don't believe in talking to the devil. But I, would, I wish somebody would say, even though my finances aren't right, say I won't. I'm still going to praise God. Even though my marriage isn't where it should be, say I won't. I'm still going to praise God. Even though God hasn't moved in my behalf the way that I would hope he would move, say I won't. I'm still going to praise God. I'm still going to get to the house of the Lord. I'm still going to worship him. I'm still going to pray. I'm still going to seek the Lord. I'm still going to fast. I'm still going to push forward. Say I won't. Look at somebody and say that this morning. Say, say I won't. Say I won't. Say I won't clap for joy. Say I won't find joy in my valleys. Say I won't still declare the word of God over my life, even though circumstances oppose me in every which way. Say I won't. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 4, excuse me, 8 through 10. Paul says the same writer writing the epistles. He said, we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. Come on, I have to make it a little fun. How many know it's okay to have fun in church? Amen. Yet not crushed. We are perplexed, yet not in despair. Come on, he's in a valley, but the valley's not in him. But we're not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying, watch this, about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our mortal body. It goes on to say like this, verses 16 to 18, for our light affliction, somebody say it's light. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Watch this, the Message Bible. I know I'm inundating you with scripture, but it's so beautiful. So we are not giving up. Look at somebody and say that. Don't give up. We are not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside, it often looks like things are falling apart on us. On the inside, where God is making new life, not a day goes by 
without his unfolding grace, these hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times, the lavish celebration for us. There is far more here than what meets the eye. You may, not be, you may not be able to see what God is working out in your valley, but I can tell you he's working himself. Above all, he's working yourself out of you to work himself in you. Amen. Did you hear what I said? That valley is working you out of you, and he's working himself in you. Which brings me to my last point, if you could stand to your feet. Your valley this morning, whatever it is that you're facing, whatever that valley looks like, it's fixed. It's a fixed valley, Gene. It's a fixed valley, Ronnie. It's a fixed valley, Mom. It's a fixed valley. In other words, the Bible says the Lord does not give us more than we can bear or handle. It's fixed. He, the Lord knows how much to turn up the heat and how low to keep it. So whatever it is that you're facing this morning, know that the Lord is not going to allow you to be pushed. He may, be a, he may push you to your limitations, but it's not to break you. It's to build Christ-like character in you. So everybody wins in the valley if you make the choice to be joyful in the valley. If you're in the valley, you win because you're growing more and more into his image and his likeness. Amen. Or you're heading to the mountaintop to experience the blessing as a result of being in that valley. You ever heard of angels showing up in high moments in the disciples' lives? I didn't see angels around the corner when Peter's shadow was healing people. When the multitudes were coming and 3,000 were being added to their number daily, the Bible says, there wasn't any angels that were indicated there. But can I tell you where angels were? They were in that Philippian jail. When the church was being persecuted, when the pressures of life, I'm sure the Paul and Silas had questions that night. Oh, thank you, Lord. But the Bible says at midnight, they were praying and they were singing, sims, singing hymns. Excuse me. They were finding joy in the valley. And angels showed up. You don't see even angels anywhere in Jesus' ministry. It's not mentioned. Except for in two scenarios that I can remember if my theological memory is serving me correctly, it was only in the wilderness, in the valley, and in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was in the most challenging, pivotal points of his life. You know what scripture comes to mind? He is near to the brokenhearted. In other words, he's with you in the valley. He's there watching on the mountaintop. Rejoicing because you're happy and you've received his blessings. You've 
made it to what you're believing him for, but he is with you in the valley. And I believe that for each and every one of you, that there are angels being dispatched for you. There's help coming. That's the word for the church. Help is on the way. Every time Jesus was going through these insurmountable moments when he was being pushed beyond his limitations, the angels of the Lord would show up. When he was in that place of crushing, when he was in his valley moments, you know what the Lord said to me? He supplies for us in the valley. Streams do not run on mountaintops. They only run in the valley. If you look hard enough, there's a stream in your valley. Sometimes we keep our eyes on where we think we should be on that mountaintop when not realizing that there's streams right here in that season of life where you're at. There's streams in your sickness. There's streams in the difficulty, in the hardship, in the pain. It's a living water. The streams represent the Holy Spirit. I love, I love this verse, and I'm going to leave this verse of Scripture with you. It's in Psalms 18, verse 33. It's probably because I'm an outdoorsman. I quote Scriptures like this. And it says, He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and sets me on high places. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.